moment. Gilmore Strategies. We'll be talking with him about politics. That's coming up. I've got a great segment with our own Senator uh, Tom Cotton, who was on with Fox and Friends this morning. We'll play that back for you here in just a few moments. I want you to hear it. The Senate has all taken their oaths for the uh, impeachment trial that will start, I guess they're saying Tuesday now. So, uh, that's uh, getting getting uh, close to getting underway. The Chief Justice came by. John Roberts took, you know, was sworn in as well. So all that is going on. Uh, there is good news on uh, the fronts out there. The Dow today is uh, up almost one percent. It's at twenty nine two two three point six nine. Nasdaq at nine thousand. 325.62, S&P 500, 3,308.76. So crude oil right now is up 1%, almost 2, at $58.44 a barrel. Gold has fallen today and uh, at uh, $1,551.50 an ounce, so... That brings you up to date on what's going on uh, in the wonderful world uh, at um, Wall Street, you know. I told you it would get exciting today. Those numbers are going up. Nobody's ever seen Wall Street over 29,000. And now it's 29,002-something. It's got 200-and-something points over the 29,000 mark. That's exciting news especially if you're like me and you have a 401k or something that you're doing in the markets to help for your uh, retirement. I hope you're doing that. And I know people say, well, you got, you make a lot of money, Dave, you can put money. No, I don't make a lot of money. I mean, even Zach knows that I don't make a lot of money. And, uh, but here's the key that uh, I do do. I, I put 10% to my church because God, asks for that, so I get it's his anyway. So I, I just give it back to him, and he's uh, blessed me and, and given me a, a few more dollars. And I take uh, 10% of that, and I put it in my 401K every month. They go, how do you do that? Well, we just don't do some things that other people do. You know, some people go out and eat every night and things of that nature. My family doesn't do that. In fact, uh, I was I was talking to my wife about that just the other day. We had been going out and eating more often, and I said I was tired of eating fast food. You know, last night she wanted to have hamburgers, and I said, "Well, fine." I said, "When when you you'll head back to the house after you drop me off at work, because she's my chauffeur right now, because I can't drive because I got this freaking half shoe on." Uh, I said, stop by Sam's and pick up, uh, you know, some black Angus hamburgers. And we'll have those for dinner. And she said, well, I just thought we could order from Sonic. And I said, no, 
stop by and pick up some Black Angus burgers <laughs> and, and we'll eat some decent hamburgers. Um, nothing against Sonic. I mean, Sonic plays all right at times, but I just, I get tired of eating fast food. It, yeah. You know, I just don't feel good after I, you know, I eat fast food five days in a row and I'm like yeah. lethargic and feel that. J.R. Davis is here, Gilmore Strategies, all right? He's joined us today. He's going to be with us most Thursdays, and that's very good. Excited, yeah, it's going to be I'm fun. excited about having you here. Yeah, we I have good chemistry, it. as they say hey, in the you business. Know, this is my favorite part of the week. So. It's really, it's a lot of, we have a lot of fun. So anyway, uh, Alice Stewart will be with us next hour. Oh, great. So she'll join us, and I still don't know how she how she can do CNN. I, I would get physically ill. If I had to walk into their building, I really will, would. I mean, those people say some of the weirdest yeah. crap. She does an, an excellent job, but it's funny, too, when you see you know, their panel. Their panels are always like 30 people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she always manages to you know, to actually contribute to the conversation. Yeah, she says um, something she that's good. good. Yeah. Okay, here's Russ. What, what's, oh, that's my playlist. Thank you, Russ. Russ from... <laughs> Russ found my playlist. I forgot it on the printer. You want to hear what Tom Cotton had to say about this whole thing of the uh, impeachment? It's hilarious. He was on Fox and Friends this morning. You got to listen to this stuff. You're going to love it. Let's hear it. Let's go to uh, the out in the uh, Capitol building right now. We're joined by Arkansas Republican Senator Tom Cotton. He's a member of the Senate Select Committee on Intel and the Senate Armed Services Committee. Good morning to you, Senator. Hey, guys, good morning. Good to be on with you. Okay, we've heard Nancy Pelosi talk about how prayerful she is about the proceedings. And yet yesterday we saw uh, members of her caucus giggling and laughing. And she was handing out uh, commemorative pens with her name on them. Yeah, it was a very solemn and prayerful moment, guys, um, when you saw those gold-encrusted commemorative pens that Nancy Pelosi had specially made. Um, You know, we thought that she may have some grand strategy for delaying the impeachment trial for 28 days. Maybe she was just waiting for her special order pins to come in from the factory. <laughs> That's true. But I, I mean, it, I mean, we can laugh, we can laugh at that. But I, I think it speaks to the bigger point about just how partisan the House has acted over the last four months in pursuing the president for at least the third, maybe the fourth time, depending on how you define it, to impeach him, which started on the very first day he was sworn into office. So, and ultimately, no matter what the allegations are. They're impeaching the president for the same unforgivable sin, beating Hillary Clinton in 2016. And by the way, it is historic already because it's totally partisan. Uh, Not one Republican went uh, for this, unlike Nixon, unlike Clinton, and I believe the uh, Andrew Johnson, which I have no footage available right now. We're trying to look for it. Uh, But, Senator, in the big picture, they say we're waiting. And there's a Washington Post story that talked about additional information. And we're waiting because this Lev Parnas is now speaking about how he was in the middle of all this wrangling. From what you've read, from what you know, does Lev Parnas's interview with Rachel Maddow last night or the paperwork that was released over the weekend change anything? <laughs> Hardly, Brian. So Lev Parnas is currently under an indictment. This is a guy whose business was literally called Fraud Inc. (laughs) And now he goes from being the president's greatest champion to being on Rachel Maddow's show. But we shouldn't be surprised that the Democrats in the House are pulling this kind of stunt. In fact, I would predict that Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff throughout the Senate trial will continue to leak 
oftentimes fabricated information, which I believe is what some of Leparnas put out over the weekend, all in an effort to clean up the shoddy work they did in the House, the rushed partisan hatchet job of this impeachment, to try to dictate procedures to the Senate. That's not going to happen. Senator, yesterday the president signed that deal with China and the Dow reaches record levels. What a stark contrast to what the Democrats are doing. I know you're from Arkansas. How does this affect you, your constituents and the rest of our country? Well, the president's signing ceremony of the phase one trade deal with China is a lot more important and memorable than Nancy Pelosi's fake signing ceremony of those impeachment articles because this is good news for our farmers and our manufacturers, but it also doesn't take the pressure off China. We're going to continue to hold China's feet to the fire. There are still tariffs on hundreds of billions of Chinese products to ensure they uphold the commitments they made yesterday, and we'll continue to press them on other fronts, such as forced technology transfer or using Huawei to try to insinuate themselves into Western telecom networks and their aggression towards their neighbors in the region. Sure. So, and while it's only phase one, uh, nonetheless, it's a win for the president. I mean, Senator, he ran on trying to fix the trade deals, and this certainly does help uh, with the injection of $200 billion worth of uh, Chinese money coming into our country, buying our stuff. But at the same time, your colleague from across the aisle, Chuck Schumer, says while he would like to see new trade deals, he goes, oh, this is just not a good piece of, uh, this is not a good idea. I'm very disappointed. Can't believe he dropped the ball. Really? I can't believe that Chuck Schumer found fault with the president's policies. Look, uh, the president gave up very little, uh, mostly just some promised future tariffs in return for significant concessions from the Chinese. We still have tariffs on hundreds of billions of dollars of Chinese goods that are a way to keep them honest finally to uphold their commitments to a deal. And if they don't uphold their commitments in the deal, then we'll just impose new sure. tariffs on the remaining products that the president had promised. So this is a win for the president, but really it was a win for America's workers and America's manufacturers and America's farmers. And today we're going to give another big win to them on another promise that the president made, ratifying in the Senate the Mexico-Canada trade agreement. These are issues on which the president campaigned, mm -hmm. on which his majority coalition was built in the Electoral College mm -hmm. to fix the trade deals that hadn't been working for Americans. So we're focused on those kind of accomplishments while the House is running around giving out commemorative pins to all of their rich donors and fanatical left-wing representatives. I get this uh, some way, one way or another, Americans will have a chance to vote on what they like better in a few months uh, because the Senate went on the record and you guys have been on the record. And we'll see what happens in your chamber starting next Tuesday. Senator Tom Cotton, thanks so much. All right. That was uh, Senator Tom Cotton this morning on Fox Friends, Fox and Friends on the Fox News Channel. Was I thought he said some very uh, interesting things, you know, fraud ink. Yeah, you know, for the well, uh, business. You, yeah, when you hear that story about Parnas, you know, uh, they, well, I was listening to the radio this morning. I always get up, I read the paper, then I read or I listen to the news flash and what you know NPR and uh, Fox and the BBC and everyone just how they're reporting on stuff. And you know, immediately when you hear the guys under indictment. Uh, I mean, does that not just throw everything out the window? Uh, he's trying to strike I mean, a yeah, deal. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly right. So immediately when you hear that, I think it just looks like a uh, a poor attempt at you know trying to further smear the president's name as this gets kicked off in the Senate. But, I mean, there's so many names out there. But who was the guy that was found guilty and they're getting ready to send him to prison and suddenly he decided to 
make all kinds of bizarre statements about the, the Trump administration and everything, trying to get his. I've lost track. I feel like that's, that's pretty much saying. everybody, right? Yeah, I mean, I Cohen think, was one. You know, was one of the guys. Yeah, yeah his, his, uh, the president's uh, personal attorney. I mean, here's the thing. I, you know, I appreciate the comments from uh, Senator Cotton. I think he was spot on. You know, especially coming from a communications background, whoever thought it was a good idea to have the Speaker of the House who has continued to talk about how this is, you know, again, a, a solemn, uh, uh, you know, uh, sort of mission for the House. They have to uphold integrity, yada, 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 to pass out these commemorative pins about While she's signing it? That was just incredible. Unbelievable. I mean, if it's business, that's what it is. And you're doing it for, you know, democracy. I think they had the hashtag defend our democracy or something up there, which, again, I thought was just in poor taste. And then you're passing out pens uh, as sort of a, you know, sort of a celebratory deal. I don't care who the president is. I think anytime you, you're going through an impeachment process, there should be no celebratory, you know, uh, actions on anyone's part. I mean, this is it's if you truly believe in, in the country as a whole, uh, that should not be something that's celebrated. I thought that was a misstep by the speaker. And then, of course, you know, before that, prior to the the pen giving ceremony, uh, you know, withholding it for 28 days. I agree with the senator again. I mean, everyone thought there was some sort of strategy at, at play. She was waiting for her pens to get here. That's exactly right. And so <laughs> it's just I just felt like the whole thing the the House, they rushed it. And then they waited, and then they mm-hmm. delayed, and then they sort of put the exclamation point on here by, you know, exactly what this was. Uh, and, and truly, what I think the, the capstone to all of this is, you know, the pen ceremony and what this actually meant to the Democrats over there in the House. And it goes back to the Washington Post headline the day after inauguration yep. that said, Absolutely. Democrats' attempt to impeach the president begins now. Yep. And that's exactly what happened. And so... Uh, misstep in the house. Uh, I think the uh, you'll you'll see we're look we're looking at Fox News now, and you've got a bunch of the Senate Dems that are oh yeah they're getting up there, and up saying, there. Yeah, we want to have a fair trial. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> but but again, the juxtaposition of what the Democrats are focusing on and what the Republicans are focusing on is what we have to do across the board for this country, and we have to educate the next generation as to what good Republican leadership looks like. And when you're talking about the economy and you're talking about making it work for everyone and giving everyone an opportunity for success, this this phase one China deal is a huge deal for the American people. Oh, yes. And to what the senator said, and I was going to mention, and of course, he you know does what he does and makes sure he covers all bases on that. And yeah. uh, so he did an excellent job. But and I was going to point out that the only thing he gave up is exactly right is future, uh, uh, you know, tariffs. But it doesn't bar us at all from imposing those tariffs in the future if China, uh, the Chinese are Don't not keep good their actors. Word. You know? And if they turn into bad actors and they're not keeping their word on this, then we'll just go right back to the drawing board. And I guarantee you, just look at sort of the negotiations throughout this process. If that's the only thing that the president has had to give up, really, and it's Pretty really good. nothing at all, then you can absolutely bet that these tariffs are hurting the people of China and the government there way more than I mean, here in America, and I think we just had the leverage, and the and the president had the foresight, and um, and and you know, really put his thumb on him, and I think we got a really good uh, solution. So did, so, did you get to result? watch any of the signing of that Chinese agreement yesterday? I saw clips. Did you? Well, did you see the? There's a guy that was there, blew me away. Henry Kissinger was there. No, I didn't even notice. Yeah, he was in the front row, ninety-seven <laughs> years wow. old. You know, he's. He is known and given credit for opening up China to trade yep. under under Nixon. 
he was the guy who did that. So it was kind of cool yeah. to have him sitting That's really there. Neat. Yep. You know, I don't know how cognizant he is right. or anything, but he was sitting right next to Lou Dobbs. Lou yeah. Dobbs was sitting right there too. Well, it, it was a it was a good day uh, for the economy. Obviously, you saw it um, uh, on Wall Street, uh, and then again with what Senator Cotton said about the USMCA being ratified in the Senate. Yeah, that's those are two big news. Those are two huge uh, foundational issues for the president. Uh, that came to fruition this week, and again, it's phase one with the China deal. But but we're in the driver's seat, and I think it's uh, uh, you know the fact that you don't have uh, you know uh, President Xi Jinping there in uh, D.C. to sign it. You can it's saving face. You know the guy. I guarantee you, he doesn't love the deal, but he knows yeah. he's got to make it. Well, because so their economy about, is yeah. faltering. Exactly. So the leverage is here with the United States and our president. It's a big day, big day today with USMCA. And I love that it's happening on the same day that you just have, again, a very clear juxtaposition between what's important to the Democrats and what's important to the Republicans. And the Republicans have continued uh, the message, which I think is resonating with the people. Yes. That we are here to do the people's business, and we've got a lot of work to do in this you know, circus and sideshow. We need to you know, uh, end it and, and move on. So, well, Jerry, let's, let's just tick off a few things here for everybody uh, dealing with trade. One. The president signed a new deal with France, and that had a huge buy-in for soybeans, which going to be very, very uh, important for farmers here in Arkansas. Then you had, uh, they, they signed the Japan Agreement. Big, big deal about rice in that, which is a big, big deal since we're the state that produces most of the rice in the United States for us. You had a uh, the big buy from South Korea on rice, 200 and something metric tons of rice. Uh, then you've got the, uh, the the USMCA with Mexico and Canada. I think that that coming together when it did really put the pressure on China as far as trade went. And uh, it's going to be big business uh, for all three countries. And then China signs, and I just saw a story today that the EU is now saying to China, we're going to go back, we're going to look at some of the stuff that we've been doing, and, and you guys are going to have to, you know, uh, come off of some of the things that you've done because uh, we want to have free trade, but we want to have fair trade. Wow. Didn't we, that, isn't that what the president ran on? Uh, let's take a break. J.R. Davis is here. And uh, he will be with us uh, until the top of the hour. We're going to talk about impeachment. We're going to talk about trade. We're going to talk about, I want, I want to play for you what Mitch McConnell had to say about uh, Nancy Pelosi's uh, commemorative pins. I think that she'll probably set up a table uh, outside the uh, Capitol for the visitors so that they can buy <laughs> one as they go in. All money to go to the DNC because they need some money. Yeah, the merch table in the back, right? Yeah, they yeah. need to be buying. They need to be selling something and and, and replenishing their war chest because they don't have much money. So we'll talk about all of that and more here on 101.1 FM, The Answer, home of Rush Limbaugh. All right, we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Our special guest this hour, J.R. Davis, who is with, uh, I forgot. <laughs> Gilmore Strategy. Gilmore Strategy. I knew it was, I wanted to right. say Goodmore, and I knew that wasn't right, and I wasn't going to say I'll take it however you do All right, it, Dave. Gilmore Strategies, and uh, he's going to be with us on most weeks on Thursday. 
and uh, it's good to have him with us because he he's going to be deeply involved in a lot of uh, political races that are going on around the state. Uh, don't forget at 4 o'clock that uh, Tony Furman is going to come by from District 28. We're going to talk to him, and uh, I think it's was it Marietta McClure, McClure that uh, there's some questions around her candidacy. Uh, if she'll just, I don't have the, I don't know who to reach out to, but if they'll get a hold of us, we'll give her equal time. I have no problem in doing that and have her come in and, and share her thoughts as well as, you know, being a state representative, if she would win, uh, that, 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 uh, race. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah. A lot of interesting races going into March 3rd for sure. Well, yeah. And it, here's the key. A lot of this stuff is going to be decided during the primary and right as you just mentioned that's coming up in march it's just around the corner it's not that far away and when you go vote in the primary it's going to decide who uh moves on basically or who has that office because there's no democrat challenger that's right. Yeah, a lot's going to be decided March third. Um, you've got some really key judicial races too. Well, they're always decided at the primary time. What the judicial yes. ones? Well, yeah, exactly. So you've got the Supreme Court race. Uh, there's just two candidates in some of the smaller district court circuit judges. There's multiple candidates, so you'll you, you probably see a runoff, which will go to November. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of key races that folks need to pay attention to. And I look, I know that there's uh, you know this state is a red state. Yep. Uh, but pay attention to some of those local races, even though we don't have anything big churning uh, on the uh, national side right now. But but pay attention to those. A uh, lot, lot of good, a lot of good candidates, uh, but a lot of key races, especially those judicial races um, where you've got uh, Barbara Womack Webb running for Supreme right. Court, um, which is a very important race. And so hopefully people pay attention to that and, um, you know, get behind her and and, uh, and a lot of these other um, important candidates that you'll hear a lot about in the next month. Your mailbox will hear a yeah. lot yeah. <laughs> from them. You'll be you'll be reading or you'll be using it to start a fire, whichever. Either way, just read it first and start yeah. the fire. And so. start your fire up. So let me a- ask this question of you. Now, you're going you're gonna to be very involved in all of this with Gilmore Strategies. Is the bench for the Democratic Party as weak as it appears to be? Yes. Yeah. Uh, wholeheartedly, and we—I was actually talking to someone about this uh, yesterday—that it's so surprising to me. Not surprising, but it, it really is uh, astonishing if you go back and look. Where you know, even far back as uh, 2008, uh, you know, 2006, really. I mean, the bench for Republicans was not deep at all, uh, and we were trying to find candidates just to run in the general. Uh, if you remember, I mean, they're, they're just—we just didn't have any candidates. And now you fast forward ten years and. Really, you know, the Republicans are in the position where uh, we're kind of eating our own. We've got a lot of great candidates, but we don't have a lot of uh, open positions. And on the Democratic side, they went from having a deep bench to no one. No and, one. And it yeah. Is, I mean, I mean, really, that's no not one. coming from that's not a partisan, uh, you know, uh, opinion. That's literally just the fact of the matter. That's the way the Republicans were 10 years ago or, or 12 years ago. You know, that's where Democrats find themselves now. They've got a lot of young talent. Um, but it's just difficult to break through in a state that's very conservative, uh, very red. You have a very popular governor. Uh, you have a very popular congressional delegation. Um, and so uh, it'll be very, very interesting. I will say, uh, and something I'm particularly proud of, 
and I say proud of, but excited about the opportunity for Republicans in this election and elections to come is we're in a position now where we can choose quality candidates over quantity. Mm-hmm. And so we've got, you know, super majorities in the House and the Senate, and we've got all seven constitutional officers and our entire congressional delegation. Um, you know, but it's it's really about voters paying attention to who's on the ballot and who best represents Arkansas uh, and, and not just in the short term, in the long term. You know, we've got an opportunity here to show the next generation. I've been harping about this a lot, but we can show the next generation what it actually means to be a Republican conservative uh, leader uh, for our state, someone that, you know, uh, you know, uh, that millennials can respect, understand, you know, it's, it's our opportunity now that we can do that. Our, and that's a great our position. time to teach. It's our time to teach. Absolutely. And, and actions speak louder than words most of the time. And they are paying attention. And, and as much as people say, you know, we've lost that generation uh, because of the way their minds are with, you know, socialism and things like that. I don't believe it. I think that we still have an opportunity and they're still trying to figure out what makes sense. And Dave, you know, this, it's a lot easier to be liberal in college than it is when you actually get out there and start working. When you start seeing how much money they're taking <laughs> yeah, from you. Yeah, you see yeah, your paycheck, you do your taxes, all that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I, I'm excited about that. I think we've got a lot of good candidates. We've got a lot of good incumbents um, that have done a, an exceptional job. And, of course, obviously, I'm, I'm particularly proud of Governor Hutchinson and the job he's done in the last five years. And so uh, I'm telling you, from this point until, you know, 2022, it is going to be a wild wild ride uh through some of these elections once we get past 2020 okay so let me ask a question somebody just sent this to me says ask uh jr how the movement is going to change the redistricting commission from the attorney general governor and secretary of state uh to this what is it sam by paradison commission or something like that i i guess you know where it's going to be like a a non-partisan commission? Well, there's still a lot of, I mean, there's still a lot of talk. I think it's, to me, it's very, very interesting. Look, you want to do it uh, in a way that's that's fair, but I think it's very funny that you have a lot of these Democrats who were basically right in the middle of the Fayetteville finger uh, yes. and the gerrymandering that took place uh, under Governor Beebe and, and the Democrat, uh, you know, caucus here in Arkansas. So, again, it's it's a little ironic to me that they're running danielson and bb they they told mark martin to not even show up yeah and it was just one of those things where well now we gotta now we've got to fix it and the fact of the matter is i think redistricting as a whole is going to play well for republicans because it's going to open up some more seats Mm -hmm. uh, for good republican candidates to step up which is what we need um and uh you know there will be some places like you're going to see Saline County, Northwest Arkansas, possibly up in Northeast, where there's going to be more seats added because of the population growth up there. So um, I personally think that it, it's, you know, uh, whatever happens and it's incredible. So please, under, please don't you know miss my point here. I, it's incredibly, incredibly important uh, and it needs to be done well. But uh, I think whatever happens, Republicans will certainly benefit uh, from this because there will be more opportunities for good Republicans to uh yeah, it's, it's funny, though. Oh, it's that if a, after 135 plus years of Democratic control that nobody cared about redistricting yeah. uh, until right. until uh, the Republicans yeah. were going to do it completely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's again, that's the, the irony behind all of this. And it is a bit humorous. 
Uh, you don't want to take away from the gravity because it is extremely important, but it yeah, is just, serious. it's very, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a series of, you know, of, of, of uh, just ironic statements that I hear from folks that are saying, you know, so we got to fix it now. We can do it now. It's just, we doesn't need to be partisan. Um, you know, it's just funny because those are the exact same people that probably didn't breathe a word of this 10 years ago no. or 20 years ago. Well, they did, so, but they made sure that. When uh, Frank White got elected, that suddenly the attorney general and secretary of state got involved in it. So they had a, two Democrats against the Republican <laughs> and uh, they they did that. And then uh, when we won all the constitutional office, now a Democrat stands up and runs is, is getting people's signatures to take it away from either party. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. I mean, it's just a typical Democratic ploy of what they're doing all right we're gonna take a break as we go to break though i'm gonna play cut number one here's mitch mcconnell with his tongue firmly in cheek talking about (laughs) nancy pelosi house democrats said over and over that they recognize the gravity and the seriousness of this action and of course they had only come to it reluctantly well nothing says seriousness and sobriety like handing out souvenirs. As though this were a happy bill signing instead of the gravest process in our Constitution. This final display neatly distilled the House's entire partisan process into one perfect visual. It was transparently partisan performance from beginning to end. That's why they sped through a slapdash inquiry in 12 weeks when previous presidential impeachments came after months, if not years, of investigations and hearings. Okay, so the big uh, brouhaha, if you want to call it that, it's really not been, we've been watching uh, Fox since we came in here and they're not even talking about Lev Parnas. Uh, on the air. Nobody's taking this seriously. But he was on Rachel Maddow last night. And Rachel put on anybody now if they, you know, if she thinks that they can save her ratings because her ratings have plummeted. I mean, she's she's really taking it on the chin. Here's what he had to say about uh, about the president. It won't surprise you. Cut to. I mean, I, I, when when the FBI came to my house uh, uh, to raid, and my wife felt embarrassed because they said I had a shrine to him. I mean, I had pictures all over. I mean, I, I idolized him. I mean, I thought he was the savior. <laughs> you you did you think you were friends? Absolutely. I mean, again, I went from being a top donor, from being at all the events where we would just socialize, to becoming a close friend of Rudy Giuliani's to eventually becoming his ally and his asset on the ground in Ukraine. The, the president has said, when you were arrested, the president of the United States said uh, he didn't know you. I don't know those gentlemen. Now, it's possible I have a picture with them because I have a picture with everybody. I don't know them. The truth is out now, thank God. Yesterday was a big day for us. I thank God every day. I was worried that that day is not going to come. I thought they were going to shut me up, make me look like the scapegoat, and try to blame me for stuff that... I wasn't done, but with God's help and a great legal team that I have besides me, we were able to get the information out, and now it's out there. So I welcome him to say that even more. Every time he says that, I'll show him another picture. He's lying. 
He's lying. Here, here you go. I got I, this guy makes me laugh because he sounds like a reject from The Godfather, which I'm showing as a classic movie uh, in February. He sounds like a palooka, man. I like it, the the attorneys besides me. Like, what yeah. he said. Yeah. That's no, like, I, I think, I mean, again. He sounds punch drunk. That's yeah, what he sounds like. If you're a Democrat <laughs> and you're doing your best to have a credible, like, witness uh, or, or a credible story and the lead is, you know, Lev Parnas, who was indicted, who has been indicted for fraud. And you know I, mean? yeah. like, I just think it's funny that, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're all, you know, you may be hooked for a second. And then when you hear that, it's just like, oh, well, clearly this guy's going to do whatever he has to do to get out of trouble. And, and he's got uh, little pieces of paper with notes on them. Yeah. Oh, I also heard that. Yes. And then, and then uh, Parnas has, has uh, confirmed that that is his writing. <laughs> it's like, well, great. I'm glad we got to the bottom yeah, of that. I'm glad you sat down and yeah, wrote notes to good. yourself. That's, it's that's a good really investigative good. piece. All right. Uh, so McCarthy was on uh, last night. I think he was on, um, oh, who's on after Hannity? The lady. Can't think of her Ingram, name. Ingram, right? Yeah, Ingram, yeah. The angle, yeah, was Ingram. Yeah. And uh, he was talking to her and was talking about this contrast, and you referred to this earlier, this contrast that's going on between impeachment Mm -hmm. and Trump's successes. Mm -hmm. Here's McCarthy talking about it. There's no greater contrast than what we are doing right here today than what is happening at Pennsylvania Avenue. The president sitting down with another country of a leader and signing a trade agreement, something people said we could never get done to make this country stronger, to make America the next century ours. But what are we doing here? We are doing what this majority has worked their entire time for, before they are even sworn in. They campaigned for the position of chairman, for this moment, for this time, for the millions of dollars that are spent, so they could say the president is impeached. That's a lofty history. Those are lofty goals that you now have authored more subpoenas than you created laws. But thank God we got a president in the White House that does not sit back. Yes, he got the United States-Mexico-Canada trade agreement, our top two traders. He's sitting with a trade agreement with China today. But think about how much stronger his hand would have been had that agreement taken place earlier when he got it. No, it was held. Why? Because we were impeaching. That's an amazing agenda, but you promised people you would do it. This is not a moment this body should be proud of. If a Speaker Pelosi likes to say impeachment is a national civics lesson, let's use this blunder as a teachable moment. <laughs> wow. Good job, McCarthy. Fired up McCarthy there, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was ready to go. He's, he's, he's given several nice uh, speeches from the well. Uh, there in the house during this uh, whole thing, the one that the guy that I've been most impressed with has been Collins from Georgia. He's been really yeah. good. I mean, super good. He was good yesterday. I saw him yesterday, and he just beat them up badly. Shift gets up there, and I laugh. I really do. I laugh at that guy. I mean, uh, again, it just goes back to the the he's messaging. A, did you know he's a realtor? No, I didn't know. Yeah, that. that's what he does. He huh. sells houses. Well. 
He's a salesman. I was about to say, that's what he's doing right now. That's what he's doing. Well, he's trying to sell. Uh, it comes down to messaging. And again, I think we've talked about this for months uh, on your show, but Republicans have done, in my opinion, an exceptional job with this impeachment uh, in that, that they continued, whether it was with the hearings that were on Capitol Hill leading up to it, um, but they've they've been concise They've, you know, been in lockstep with They've one kept another. Their narrative. They've kept the narrative and Democrats are, I really believe they're in trouble. And I'm telling you right now with, between the, you know, you know, uh, Francis O'Rourke, who is irrelevant at this point, but I'm telling you between his comments on, you know, tax exempting uh, or ending the tax exemptions for, for churches, uh, AOC, Speaker Pelosi, the Sanders and Warren coalition. I mean, there's a real chance that. Uh, Republicans win this House back uh, much sooner than some expect. I and sure so, hope so. I'm just telling you, it's it's firing up people, and, and at every turn, there is a misstep by the Democratic Party. Will you not smile? Which is just astounding to me. Will you not smile broadly when we watch the TV and we have to watch Pelosi hand the gavel back? It'll be great. I will be smiling. I will be dancing. Look, I that think- woman had it one time. She didn't need it a second time. And and here's the kicker on all this. The Democrats, when they took the House back over, they had a president who has continued to be embroiled in, in what they say is, you know, uh, all these different issues and criminal charges that they say that are there that don't exist because there's no actual evidence. Um, but they were in a position to capitalize on, you know, their newfound majority mm-hmm. and and with a president who, again, it was, everyone knew when he got elected, it was going to be a tough reelection. They've had four years. They have done nothing. Nope. They, have, they have no, there's no plan. There's no strategy. They're eating each other. They're pushing Joe Biden further to the left. And I, I used to think that if Joe got in and made it through the primary, uh, he could beat Trump. I don't even think he's the strongest candidate in the field. And that's not saying much because I don't think anybody that comes out of the Democratic primary can capture the necessary states to win the Electoral College vote. I don't think they can do it. I played Al Sharpton yesterday, who said there was nobody on the stage that could beat Trump. I played Van Jones from the site yeah. of the of the debate, and he said there yeah, was nobody yeah. there that could beat Trump. So uh, you got, uh, what's his name, the documentarian out there, Michael... Um, Oh, you um, the fat boy. Can't think of his name right now. Bowling, oh, oh, you know, um, bowling, yeah, and all about. of that. Yeah, he even says there's nobody can beat Trump. I'm just this is the habit. I'm just glad that neither one of us could remember his name. Yeah, so that's Michael Moore. Oh, come on. Yeah, it came. It came around. It comes around. It's, uh, like, it's like a bad piece of food that you're yeah, eating. That's right. You know, you belch it again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I look. You know. It's the hatred has driven the last four years for Democrats, and instead of being you know, taking a step back, being thoughtful and, and finding out, okay, how can we, how can we come up with, uh, you know, policy, uh, well, realistic policies, a vision for America past these four years, it's just been, let's get Trump out. And I've never understood it, quite frankly. I mean, if you get Trump out, it, what, Pence, can you beat, you know, I mean, well, what's good, you're going to basically. Well, see, they've already gonna, started now attacking Pence. Sure. It's the same, Pence was part of the, the pro quo, you know, quid uh, pro uh, whatever going on. Yeah. You know, they're, they're trying to, to draw him into all of that now. Well, I'm just saying At you're just going to. that gonna, was Lev Parnas who yeah, said that. Yeah, you thought that there was a Trump turnout in 2016. 
it's going to be the way they thought that this you know that somehow that wouldn't happen if they kept prodding and poking the president these voters aren't going to come out again Mm -hmm. anyway it's uh it's it's sad and funny to watch uh that you had something that was pretty teed up for you and you just are absolutely incapable of doing anything about it and the republicans to their credit have uh, stayed in lockstep with each other they have a strong message and uh, I think the president's successes are, are going to continue to come through for the next several months. Well, coming up in the next hour, Alice Stewart's going to be with us, our own Alice Stewart. You remember her when she was part of The Voice. You remember her when she was on Channel 4. You remember when she worked with Governor Huckabee. You you remember Alice Stewart. Love Alice. She's, she's on, great. She's on CNN now. She walks into the the lion's den every time she shows up. Let me just tell you what she said today. Timmy Pelosi is on such a power trip. It is absurd. So we'll talk to her (laughs) when she's on with us in a moment. And we're going to talk with our buddy Ed uh, as well and uh, speak with him. And he's going to tell us what happened uh, with uh, Ballinger, I believe it was, today. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Thank you very much, Jr. Gilmore Strategy, that's who he works for. I got to get out of here because it's time for the news. It just continues to percolate up because of the China deal that was signed yesterday by the president. That's all good news for your 401k. And I'm just telling you what's playing out there up on the hill in Washington, D.C. will pale when you start looking at the unemployment numbers. You can start with Reagan and go all the way through all the presidents, and none of them had stellar unemployment numbers until you get to President Trump at 3.9. Unbelievable. This guy has really turned on our economy. You know what? I want to get somebody on that goes into the bowels of the with the lions all the time. I ask Alice Stewart to join me, and she's joining us today for a half hour. Alice, how are you? It's good to talk to you again. It is great to talk with you as always, Dave. I, I'm I'm a little concerned you may have your your facts incorrect there about Wall Street because I remember we're in a recession, aren't we? How can oh, Wall, yeah. how can these numbers be so good when we're in the middle of a recession, according to the media? Yes, Re- remember what they said when the president was elected. They said, "Watch, Wall Street is going to go in the toilet. The economy will never recover." And here we are now with the biggest roaring economy since I was a sophomore in high school. It's incredible. It is. And and people people cannot wait to call into their 401k plan to see how (laughs) their stocks are doing because uh, it's good news. So that that is a a positive, another positive aspect of of how President Trump has, has led. 
Okay, so you sit around with a, a whole lot of liberals from a day to day. How are they resp- are, are they responding? I saw Chris Matthews of MSNBC yesterday. What was it that he said? He said that this whole thing that was going on, how did he put it? There's a sacramental ritual nature to impeachment articles being delivered. I mean, as I watched those guys walk from the House to the Senate, the, the managers, all that was missing was the uh, casket that they were supposed to be carrying. Right. It, it was. It's a, a somber day, and Chuck Schumer continues to say that today. This is a somber time. But the 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 sadness of all of this is that we've gotten to this point, and the Democrats have uh, taken their frustration on this president out uh, in a way that has led us uh, to impeachment. And that's the the sadness of it. And that is. Uh, really, if you want to talk about a casket and a funeral, what we're seeing is uh, the death of really fidelity to our Constitution, because they are just throwing it out the window in their effort to overturn a presidency based on uh, the Constitution, so they say, and they don't have a leg to stand on. And fortunately, uh, Republicans in the Senate will see to it that uh, this president is acquitted. Yeah, I like kind of, well, I don't like, I just look at uh, Pelosi and her minions and even Schumer and because uh, the, Demo- the Democratic senators got up after they were sworn uh, in for the trial and all of that, talking about they wanted a fair trial and yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, Pelosi basically said, you know, and uh, Nadler said, if if you don't find him guilty, then uh, this has been a mis- miscarriage of justice. Well, the, the irony in, in all of that is that they want a, a fair trial and they want fair proceedings. Uh, well, their, their part in this aspect is done. They have done their job. They need to re- remember that Nancy Pelosi presided over the House proceedings. Now it's Mitch McConnell's turn to provi- preside over the Senate proceedings. And if they are so concerned and so uh, upset about whether or not this is a fair trial, they have no one to look at but themselves. Because if if they were truly uh, assured that they had met the threshold, uh, the constitutional threshold, in order to put forth these articles of impeachment, they wouldn't have to worry about whether or not a fair trial would be going on in the Senate, because the facts they will be presenting will speak for themselves. But the fact that they are asking for further witnesses and more information and now putting out uh, new facts that they see are relevant to this, that says a lot, Dave. That says that they're not confident in the articles they've put forth, uh, that they worked so hard to make the case against uh, this president, that they want to dictate how the Senate conducts its, its probe. And that's unfortunate. Because this is a, this is a, a serious matter. This yeah. is serious uh, what they are doing to this president, and the fact that they're they're trying to tell Mitch McConnell to reopen the probe with more witnesses goes to show more than anything they didn't do their job in the House, and they know it. Yeah, and I don't remember bringing up new witnesses when Clinton was uh, impeached. They brought in. The uh, depositions from the House and and read those into the record and things of that nature. But I don't remember them letting anybody new get over there. In fact, they wanted to bring Lewinsky, if you remember that, and that was uh, nixed. Right. Well, there wasn't 
you don't remember that day because it didn't happen. <laughs> and 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 the the reality is the the fact that Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and the Democrats that were in the House were so anxious to rush forward to judgment on this and rush forward with these articles of impeachment, uh, saying that this was uh, absolutely important to do this. And, and keep in mind, Nancy Pelosi was adamant at the start of all of this that she only wanted to proceed with impeachment if it was, number one, overwhelming, and number two, bipartisan. What do we have now? It wasn't bipartisan vote in favor of impeachment, and it certainly was not overwhelming, or they wouldn't have to continue to ask for more information to come Mm -hmm. forward. So we got into this. uh, Nancy Pelosi, you know, fortunately at the beginning was hesitant to do so. and She should have stuck with her initial gut instinct, because now the fact she delayed moving the article for three weeks over to the Senate uh, reflects poorly on her. On her, it was it was a very calculated political gamble, and she lost. Yeah, she tried to bend McConnell to her will, and you know what? He didn't bend. No, no, he he made it quite clear he was not going to cede his authority in the Senate over to her because she did not cede her authority in the House to anyone. So he was not going to do that over in the Senate, and he shouldn't. And it, it is, uh, says a lot about Mitch McConnell and the fact that he uh, held firm. And Nancy Pelosi on the Sunday shows over the weekend uh, somehow or other managed to say that the three-week delay was beneficial. And it was a smart thing to do because it opened up the dialogue and the conversation for the need for more witnesses. Well, it, it didn't do that. Uh, it, it didn't help her in any way. Republicans, McConnell and the Senate conceded nothing to her. Nope. They conceded nothing because they didn't have to. Yeah, I agree. Alice Stewart is our guest. She's with CNN now. You remember when she was here on the radio. You remember when she was with Huckabee's campaign and other campaigns that were uh, people were running for president. You also remember when she was at Channel 4. I remember all those times. But we'll, we're going to talk further with her here on the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer the home of Rush Limbaugh. Alice Stewart is our guest. Alice, I'll be right back with you, but I got to do a little business here. We've got tickets to go see Foreigner, Kansas, and Europe all together. That's coming up in September, but they're giving away early tickets to this show. That's going to happen in uh, South Haven, Mississippi. If you want those tickets, identify this song to Zach when you call in at 823-0965. 8230965 whoever identifies the song and the artist first wins the tickets okay what's that song Call now, 8230965, 8230965. Identify the song to Zach, you win the tickets. Alice Stewart was with us, and I was afraid you were going to burst out in song as you heard that plane in the background, Alice. I thought, uh, Alice, would really... I am raising my hand here because I don't want to spoil <laughs> your, your contest here, so I'll, I'll just keep it to myself. 
Yeah, we've we've already got a winner. Somebody called in. We we didn't get a winner yesterday. It was so funny. We played a specific song by Foreigner and and nobody could identify it. And I was like, "You got to be kidding! It's got to be their one of their most famous songs ever." And they didn't get it. But we'll. I'm not going to say what it was because we'll play the song again here in the future. We'll give away another pair of tickets before the end of the show today. Again, that's for Foreigner, Kansas, and Europe. That'd be a great show. It'd be a lot of fun. That'll, a lot, that'll lot of great be a hits. great concert, yeah. no doubt. A lot of great hits. All right, so you tell me now, what do you think? I, I want to talk a little bit about the future because, look, I, I have no doubt in my mind to make this statement. President Trump is going to be reelected overwhelmingly. I believe that it's going to be very close to being Reagan-Mondale all over again. I just think when it comes to the Electoral College, the, the the Democrats are going to get right blown out of the water. Well, two things come to mind that I think uh, help support that statement, which I agree with you on. Number one, the this impeachment uh, saga that is going on, 50% of the American people were uh, support, supported the impeachment on the very beginning. Now, months later... 50% of the people support impeaching the president. And these are people that were never going to vote for the president to begin with. The, the point being, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats have not moved the needle one iota no. with regard to uh, public sentiment against this president on these articles of impeachment. So this has been an absolute, complete waste of time uh, by the Democrats. And if anything, uh, it's making people frustrated. I, I talk with our great Congressman Rick Crawford quite often, and he tells me uh, his poll that makes the most uh, impact with him is the one back in his district, right there in Arkansas, when he's talking to people at church and school and Walmart, they're saying they're fed up with this impeachment talk. And uh, that's the sentiment we're hearing from flyover uh, cities across the country. People are just fed up with it. The other uh, point that I think supports the statement that Trump will be reelected was uh, on the debate stage this week, look at all the people that are running on the Democratic ticket. Even Van Jones, a very liberal Democrat, said there is no one on that Democratic debate stage that can hold a candle to Donald Trump. Nope. And that's the case. It's it's one thing if they had a strong candidate, it would be, one, uh, it would be another story. They do not have a strong candidate, they are suffering under the weight of their own impeachment saga, and the most important factor that Trump has in his favor is what we talked about at the top of this hour, the economy. It's booming. Unemployment is at an all-time low. Wage growth is is high. The trade deals are a, a victory for not just American people, but farmers in this country that, that need uh, to be able to sell their products here and abroad. And when we have a booming economy like this, that's going to be a, a big factor in motivating people to get out uh, and vote and persuading people that are independents and uh, may not have voted for them last time. When, when they see the, the economy and the, uh, growing like it is, that will help uh, people to come out and vote for this president. Well, when you got Al Sharpton and, and you've got Van Jones, and they are huge partisans. Let's, let's make no bones about that. These guys bleed blue heavily, and they're both saying, uh, what was it, Al Sharpton says, I didn't see anybody that can take on Donald Trump. Van Jones said he didn't see anybody 
that could uh, hold a candle to Donald Trump. That tells me, uh, you know, the, the the ending is near for the Democrats already. Oh, certainly. And, and even if they did have someone that was uh, charismatic or connected with the American people like Donald Trump is, the reality is the Democratic Party is so far to the left and they are getting behind the AOC and the squad type candidates yeah. that are too far left, that they might be great and they may be the poster children for the Democratic Party, but that is not reflective of the mainstream uh, America that will decide this election. And if they want to support a candidate that is for uh, Medicare for all, free college tuition, the Green New Deal, and uh, socialist policies, more power to them. Bring it on, because that is just going to to discourage a lot of the uh, what we call the mushy middle voters that mm-hmm. are makes it deciding factor in these presidential elections. And they're not going to want what the left is offering, but they will stand up and come out and vote for what this president is offering. All right, two more questions for you, then I'll let you go. Do you think that there's any any reality to the question that some people and, and the points that some people are making that Pelosi held up the articles of impeachment to help Joe Biden have a couple of free weeks to you know campaign in Iowa without the rest of the candidates there? That that is a plausible scenario, but I really do think that she held these up because she thought this would be leverage that she could use with Mitch McConnell to try and dictate to him the terms of the Senate proceedings. And whether that is um, them calling forth witnesses and who is uh, going to be able to talk and how they're going to conduct the the Senate trial, Uh, she thought she would have leverage in doing so by holding this up. Um, From a political standpoint, this was very harmful to really the Democratic Party overall as we're heading out you know, less than three weeks to the Iowa caucus. Because, as you say, in the point of your question, here we have um, three of the top five candidates are going to be strapped to their Senate chairs in that Senate trial. Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Amy Klobuchar will not be on the campaign trail. And the next few weeks... This is critical time to get out there and make your closing argument with those voters in Iowa. Yeah. Right now, the voters in Iowa are speed dating all through the candidates. They'll go to a Biden lunch and a Buttigieg dinner and decide who they want to make a commitment to. And the fact that Biden and Buttigieg will have free reign through uh, caucus on February 3rd, that's golden for them. Yeah, I agree. Finally, all those purple seats that uh, turn the the House over to the uh, Democrats, you think they switch back to red, you know, in Pennsylvania and in Michigan and those areas, and uh, the Republicans win back the House? you think that's a real plausibility now? I think it's it, nice to think that, but the, the reality is a lot of these congressional districts are isolated, uh, they're islands on their own, and if they had the momentum and the, the drive of, of voters to, to turn 
to the Democratic Party in 2018. You have to remember that wasn't that long ago. But I, I can see where the Democrats will maintain control in the House uh, simply because the, the congressional districts are, are so different than statewide elections and certainly national elections. So it would be phenomenal if we could regain the House. But looking at the map and really breaking it down, looking at the districts that did flip uh, from Republican to Democrat, I think it's highly unlikely. But you just never know. Well, Alice, we want to have you on more often now as we move into 2020 and the election year that we have. If you're ever back here at home, feel free to come by and we'll keep a microphone open for you. We want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, from uh, Are you in New York today? I, I am in D.C. today. Okay. In D.C. But thank you so much for having me, Dave. It's always great to talk with you and uh, God bless to you and all the great listeners there in Arkansas. All right, Alice. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you a little later down the road. Alice Stewart here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Coming up after news, that's going to be up here in a minute. Uh, Ed Monk is going to join us. Special event happened today for Ed. Uh, Bob Ballinger was involved in it. Senator Bob Ballinger will talk about it. It's important, and it's something that I hope will shake some people you know, some turkeys out of the trees, so to speak. Uh, Zach, who was our winner of the tickets there in the last hour? Just come on the air and tell everybody. All right. His name is uh, Leslie Scott Howard, and he's from Benton. All right. Another person from Benton. Our last two winners from Benton. In the next half hour, we'll give away another pair of tickets right here on the uh, Dave Ellswick Show. These tickets are good uh, to South Haven, Mississippi in September. We're giving away early, and they are tickets to see Foreigner, Kansas, and Europe all together in one huge concert. All right, let's get to the news. That's up next, a minute of news to kind of bring you up to date on what's happening uh, in the world here on 101.1 FM, The Answer, and, of course, the home of Rush Limbaugh. All right, well, let's get done with this whole thing with the Foreigner tickets. You ready to do Foreigner tickets again? Okay, we're going to do Foreigner tickets We're going to play a song for you. You identify the song and the artist. You're going to call 823-0965, 823-0965. These tickets are for a big concert coming up in September. So this will give you time to make a, you know, a reservation for a room to stay overnight and things of that nature in South Haven, Mississippi. It's going to be a foreigner, Kansas, and Europe all together in uh, this uh, concert should be a whole lot of fun so all you have to do is uh, identify this song and the group to uh, zach at Cut it out before uh, the lead singer gets in there. But identify the song. The tickets are yours. A two three zero nine six five. All right, that's the way it works. Ed Monk is sitting across from me. It's always good to see Ed. And today was a special day for Ed. I I've been. How long have we been doing this story, Ed? Uh, Over a year now. Almost three, because it was it been February seventeen, and we're. Only a month away from February 20. Okay, so we've been doing this story since it happened. And trying to get justice in this story has been 
nearly impossible. Nobody wants to do what they're supposed to do. Today, a senator, State Senator uh, Ballinger, if I'm not mistaken, correct, stepped up and aired your grievance today. And uh, how many people were there? Members of the legislature, my guess is 15 to 20. There were, okay. there were there's Mostly 20 centers. members of the committee, and this is a joint committee. There's members of both the House and the Senate. Right. There's 20 members. I, I know some weren't there, and I know there were some members of the legis- legislature that were there that weren't members of the committee. They just came to hear it. Okay. And then there were several behind me. Uh, some were media. Some were staff. I don't know, but probably I would say 15 to 20 members of the legislature. Did you feel like you finally got your for better, this is not the appropriate term, but you got your day in court, so to speak? No, because this was really just a chance to explain the facts of what happened to a subcommittee, to, to 20 people. And this subcommittee, really, the committee can't really take any significant action on this. Okay. Um, other than they can start the ball rolling to change the law so it's easier to sue state employees. But as far as taking action to hold... Uh, the state employees accountable that have acted unethically by lying and covering it up. Um, my hope is maybe one or more of the state legislators that were in the meeting will go to the whole legislator ledger or some other committee they're on and try to fix this. All right. So how do you, how did you feel it played out for them? Do they, do you think anybody was surprised by what they heard? Oh, I know some were because some talked to me after. And uh, uh, one lady it was brand new to the legend, and she said, I have not heard anything about this. And one gentleman said, you know, I've, I, I kind of heard it in passing, but I didn't know about the details. About how serious it really was? And the, and the proof. A lot of people hear me talk about it, and they're like, okay, yeah, he said, you know, you're, that's your side. Yeah, he said, side. she says, but yeah. I've got, Recorded phone calls, recorded meetings, and documents that I got through Freedom of Information Act and subpoenas, and and uh, deposition testimony, and when you know three or four of those things line up to prove the same thing that somebody in state government has lied about, that that's that's not he said, she said. That's just the, the sad facts. All right. So what is the what's the end game here for State Senator Ballinger? What is he trying to get done for you? Uh, well, paraphrasing, he opened up the meeting and he said really two things. One, let me voice the problem. Let me explain the problem, open it up, put it in the air, which I did. He allowed mm-hmm. me to do that. And I cannot thank Senator Ballinger enough. He's not my senator. Uh, I'm not his constituent. He had no obligation to do anything for me. Uh, but like my two attorneys, just saw that it was the right thing to do, so did it anyway. And then also to look, and, and according to my attorneys and Senator Ballinger, people in the legislature, in, including some people in that room, have been talking before my issue about the problem of how difficult it is to sue a state employee when they intentionally do something wrong. Not We all make mistakes. Yes. And honest mistakes should be allowed. Uh, if a police officer is told, hey, uh, Somebody just committed this crime. They're about six foot tall, wearing red shirt, dark glasses. And the police officer moments later encounters somebody that fits that description. And maybe it's you, okay? It might be you. But you fit the description, so he uses his authority to stop you. you. And then later it's found out, of course, you're not the person. That was a reasonable mistake. He was acting in good faith off the information he had. But when employees intentionally 
knowingly, premeditation, do something for the purpose of violating someone's rights, there has to be a way okay. and to so make them pay. Explain for the folks who may have not heard what happened here. We had a state senator and we had, I think, a sergeant at arms that intentionally violated your rights. I believe so. Uh, the state senator, I-, I sent her one very polite email that I share with everybody. It's one very polite email requesting to meet at her convenience because I'm her constituent. And uh, she had the sergeant of arms take that to the Capitol Police and report to them that I was intimidating and harassing her for sending her one polite email. And then she told the Senate sergeant of arms, according to his own testimony, um, she told the senator told the sergeant of arms, I don't want Mr. Monk contacting me in any way. Well, there's no legal way for a sergeant at arms to prevent a constituent from communicating politely with his elected official. That's right. But there are unethical things you could choose to do to try to intimidate the constituent into not. So he illegally obtained my ACIC photo from the Capitol Police. Okay, expect, explain what that AC... It's the uh, it's the state computer system with information about uh, your driver's license information, crimes you've committed, that's private, that law enforcement can access for official purposes, mm-hmm. but it is a specific crime for people that have legal access to that system to turn any of that data over to someone not in law enforcement. Okay. Um, so he went to the Capitol Police and had them illegally print off my photo, and then he went, he st- and the sergeant of arms is a retired, well-known state trooper that before he retired from the state police, he had the job of patrolling the Capitol. So everybody in there knew him, and he knew the system. So he stopped the troopers, that the active troopers that were in there, and handed them my photo and said, this is Ed Monk, an officer with the Whitehall Police Department. And he's dangerous, And basically. he was in the Capitol this morning in the senator's office with a gun threatening the senator. Of course, that wasn't true. I hadn't been to the Capitol in a week. I've never threatened anybody. It was a completely whole cloth, fabricated, made up. Okay. And he got thrown out. And he may try to return, so be on the lookout for him. Well, the three troopers knew this guy to be a trusted, well-known, retired state trooper. So they did not question it. They did not try to verify it, confirm it. They immediately called state police headquarters and said, hey, this Whitehall cop is up here causing a problem, threatening a senator, had to get thrown out. We're looking for him. And the state police headquarters had no reason to believe that their troopers had false information that they would report to him, so they called my chief of police and reported it as fact that I had been up in the Capitol a few hours earlier threatening a senator armed and got kicked out of the Capitol by the Capitol Police. Wow. And then, once we found out it was a lie, instead of the state police saying, hey, this guy, the reason we slander you to your boss was because this guy gave us the lie and we believed it. They said, um, we don't know. We, we, we're not really sure who we got it from. Um you know, they all wear gold coats, and they have name tags, and their photos up on the wall, and there's only 10 of them, six are black and four are white. But with all of our law enforcement training, we just cannot come up with which of the 10 it was. We, You know, we just don't know. And then the lying started. And I can prove the director of the state police lied not only to me, but to the lieutenant governor. And I can prove the deputy director of the state police lied not only to me, but to a guy named Doug Smith, the governor's legislative, or not legislative, the liaison for law enforcement. I can prove they lied. and it's, I'm not insulting them. I'm just saying I can prove they lied. And the reason they're, instead of just telling the truth, they're covering it up is because the guy that made the horrible 
decision to make this false allegation against me to help the senator was a retired trooper that everybody liked and knew. So they were CYA informed. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Instead of saying, hey, buddy, you know, you had you had an honored pass, but you really screwed up this time. You, you, did, you stepped, stepped over in the line. a big pile. So I'm it. not saying you can't get into heaven. I'm just saying you can't have a government job anymore. So right. you need to go. That's a, and, and Monk, we're sorry. We took care of it. The guy that screwed yeah. up is gone. Just like if somebody here at the radio station screwed up, they'd be gone. That's the right. The guy that worked for a construction company that intentionally did something unethical would be gone. And that's the key. Gone. It was done intentionally. Oh, yeah. And people say, well, could it have been a misunderstanding? No. Because <laughs> nothing even close to what he claimed had ever happened. I've never been forci- forcibly removed from any building anywhere. I've never been not anything but professional and kind and courteous to any uh, legislator anywhere. So and you've was, never walked into anybody's office and pulled a firearm. Well, well, they didn't say I pulled the firearm. They said I was wearing one. I had one with me. So that was just oh, to, to okay. make it a little more urgent, I suppose. And I know that you wouldn't have done that. That's what's crazy oh, yeah. about all of this. Yeah. And, and another silly thing is if they were going to do this, if you're going to make up some false misconduct, like why didn't you do it where I, it couldn't be so evilly disproved? Why didn't you say I approached her in the darkness in the parking lot where you know no cameras could prove it or disprove it, and then it would be my word against theirs? But w- within 24 hours, everybody knew it was a lie. Everybody. In fact... The state trooper that got the false allegation from the sergeant of arms immediately called his boss because he assumed it to be true. Uh-huh. And then at the end of his shift, around 5 p.m., he went down to the Capitol Police to get more information, to, to do a report. Give me give me all the stuff. And the Capitol Police said, threw who out? What what happened? Who threatened? We, we don't know what you're talking about. Right. Oh, so this didn't happen. No, this didn't happen. Uh-oh. Now it's... And bad, a bad deal. And the, it got started because a state senator, is that right? Yes. Made up this whole thing. Well, the state senator reported to the Capitol Police that I was intimidating and harassing her by sending her one polite email. But because she told the sergeant of arms, I don't want Monk contacting me in any way. I believe that was the motivation for the sergeant of arms doing what he did. Now, he denies it, but... I have a recorded phone call with one of the three troopers who names him, and that same trooper is the one that called the headquarters of the state police to initially report it right after he heard it, before he knew it was false. And the captain he reported it to wrote a memo saying that that corporal told him it was A.B. Rogers. So, I mean, if you can interpret it some other way, uh, let me know how that is, but that's the only way I can interpret it. All right, so we'll continue this discussion when we come back. We've got uh, Ed here for this half hour. Coming up in the next hour... I have a gentleman who's running, Tony Furman, who's running for District 28 down in the Benton area, coming on talking about why he wants to be a state representative. That's coming up here in just a few moments. We got a winner of those other tickets. Who was it? Leslie Howard Scott. Leslie Scott Howard. Same okay. one. Okay, he won in Benton, right? Yes. Okay, did we, we've given away two pair. Did we not have a winner the second time? No, we haven't given away that second pair yet. Oh, somebody, nobody's been able to name the song yet. We've already given away two. Are you trying to give away another pair? No, I'll talk to you about it in a minute. We'll be back with more here on the, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, ba- uh, back with you. Okay, so we give, we've given you the 
the backside of this whole story so you know what happened. So where does it go now, uh, Ed? Where, where, what are they saying they want to do now with this? Well, the, the legislature, I have no idea if they'll do anything. Um, one of the goals, reasons for today's meetings was to look at possibly changing Arkansas law uh, so that it's not as easy for judges to dismiss a valid lawsuit when a state employee has just done something very intentionally wrong, malicious in nature. Um, may, it may go, I suppose, with a law from the legislature. It may go with a referendum to put it on the ballot to change the. because I've heard some of the attorneys talk about there's constitutional issues with it. So I don't know. We'll see. I told them I'd help them however we can. My lawsuit, which was dis- dismissed at the Pulaski County Circuit level, uh, we, we're going, we are appealing it. Uh, and then there, there may be some options at the federal level. We're going to look at that as well. I mean, bottom line is that you really want to get your, you know, people to pay attention to this. Because if they can do it to you, they can do it to anybody. Yeah, and... and Bob Ballinger, one of my heroes today, he asked me a question, probably the most often asked question asked to me by people when I discuss this. Ed, what do you want out of this? And what I tell everybody is it, it should not matter what I want. Uh, if I'd have died, had I died the day after the false allegations were made against me, everybody should still want to identify state employees that do unethical, dishonorable things that violate people's rights. Um, no, Hopefully nobody wants people in government positions of authority or clerical or administrative, it doesn't matter, elected, unelected. No one should hold a government position that is proven that they violate their oaths of office and they use, they abuse government power uh, to violate people's rights. I, it, I, I'm surprised. So I want what I think anybody would want if this was done to them, and that is identify the state employees that were unethical and hold them responsible. Well, yeah, that only seems pertinent yeah that's it i mean seriously if if let's say we had a, a news reporter and they reported a story and they knew it was absolutely false when they reported it they would be fired immediately yep there's one thing to report something and maybe it was not you know maybe you were misled or uh, somebody lied to you or whatever it's a totally different story when you go out after somebody and in the deposition uh the defendant in my lawsuit the sergeant at arms he is he at the least at the time of his deposition a few months ago he was still a sergeant at arms for the senate okay was he directing traffic while he was doing it i don't know i don't know i have to do that because if i'm not mistaken this particular individual used to be on tv wasn't he yeah and he was very it wasn't just oh, a trooper he was a very well-known trooper he was on the tv in the morning i never saw him but that's just what yeah, people talk about told speed trap yeah to, you know uh very on the, so he's on tv the face of the state police he was a drill instructor for the state police and in fact while he was a drill instructor for the state police he was a drill instructor for one of the three troopers that he gave the false allegation to. So they knew each other very well. Uh, he was a recruiter for the state police, and in the years wow. leading up to his retirement, he worked in the Capitol when they were in session as security. The, the same job of the peop, the troopers that he gave the false allegation to. And he won Trooper of the Year one year. I, I don't recall which year. So very well-liked and very well-known. And in fact, one one way you can prove that is I told you the trooper that got the false information from the sergeant of arms immediately called the captain in the headquarters. 
Captain wrote a memo about getting that call. And in that memo, he says that the corporal called him and told him A.V. Rogers was involved in the incident and then does not explain in his memo who A.V. Rogers is. Clearly, he knows everybody in the state police that's going to read this memo knows right. who A.V. Rogers is, so I don't have to put former retired trooper who is now, Correct. I just say his name, anywhere in this building, anywhere in Little Rock. You say Dave Ellswick, you don't have to explain, oh, the radio host. Mm-hmm. And so um, he was very well known. And that's that's obviously the only thing I can see is the obvious reason why they did such unethical things and went to such big, horrible levels to try to protect his identity. So, you know, it's really I mean, this is serious. As I, and I know there's probably people listening go, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is if they can lie about Ed and besmirch his name and make it sound like he's an outright criminal what he's doing and on top of that they call the person who's employing him and and say hey this guy's a dangerous uh, cat you know and then you got to protect your name and but still now you kind of get this moniker of yeah he's the guy that you know the state police went out out after and stuff you want you don't want that to happen because that means they can do that to anybody and it's not just a local thing with, with me in the state. This is a constitutional issue. One of the five guarantees in the, the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution is you have the right to freely communicate with your elected officials. Yeah. Now, as long as it's not, not, it's not threatening, but is, you know, to freely communicate. You can that's, file your grievances that's with That's protected. Them. That's protected. So no one can interfere or stop you with that. So I sent one email, one email, very polite to my— Do you have it with you? Yeah. Read, read that to, to my me, state I, senator. I've read this, and I've had him read it before. Yeah. But here's the email. He'll he'll read this to you. Tell me how threatening this would have been if you were a state senator, uh, Zach. All right. I'm a constituent. It is my understanding that you oppose a House Bill 1249, which would allow certain holders of an Arkansas concealed handgun license to legally carry their defensive handgun in a college building. I respectfully request to meet with you at your earliest convenience to discuss this bill and the topic. I am a law enforcement officer, professional firearms trainer, a retired Army officer, a former school teacher. I have researched, lectured, and provided training on the active shooter threat for over 10 years. I have data on this topic I would like to share with you, my elected representative, that I think should be considered when making decisions, policies, and law that affect people's safety. I would also like to hear your views and try to understand your reasons for opposing self-defense inside college buildings. Please contact me when it is convenient and let me know when and where we could have a discussion about this. Now, now how about that threatening uh, email there, Zach? If that was sent to you, would you feel like you were being threatened by somebody? I'm offended. No. (laughs) No. I sent her that email two days later, two days after I sent that email. Right. A captain in the state police calls my boss and says, I'm out of control, threatening senators kicked out of the Capitol. The senator reports to the Capitol police, I'm intimidating and harassing her, and a lieutenant from the state police calls my brother. The lieutenant in charge of concealed carry, who certifies instructors, calls my brother, who was an instructor at the time. And not for official business, but to talk on behalf of Senator Flowers. That is unethical intimidation. All right. Keep me up to date and my listeners as well. Ed Monk here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Coming up, Tony Furman. He's running District 28. We'll talk to him here on the Dave Ellswick Show.
Furman is with us. He is running for state representative of District 28. That is in Benton area. So as you're driving home today, if you live down in the uh, southern part of Saline County, listen up. This is an important person that you'll want to make up your mind if uh, you're going to vote for him. And you're going to have to vote yay or nay on him come March. Because the primary is in in March, is there any Democrats running down there? No, sir. Okay, so whoever wins the primary is in. That's right. All right, so important vote coming up in March. Keep that in mind. So with that in, uh, out in front of everybody, let's talk to Tony. He's running against Marietta McClure. Is that right? That's correct. All right, and she's 35, owns uh, McClure Fitness. Tony is 29, and he's a real estate agent for... Crylike. Crylike. No, Crylike. Yes. Okay, not the E. It's not on the No, end. we get asked that all the time. The, uh, the people say it's Crylike, like cry like a baby. Okay. So, okay, well, you're listening now to I got it. All right, so Crylike. So bottom line is, first of all, I guess the main question is, after uh, Jason Kelly decided not to run for re-election, uh, why did you decide to throw your hat in the ring? Sure. So I was actually doing some real estate work when I heard on the radio that he wasn't going to seek reelection and, and I've always wanted to run for office, you know, I'm a servant at heart. I've been in service, you know, my entire career. Um, and it kind of started off as like a daydream, so to speak, like, man, it would be really cool for that. Um, and the more I thought about it, the more I pondered it and talked about it with my wife, I really felt led by God to say, Hey, this is more than just, you know, a fantasy or a daydream. I want you to, to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after a lot of prayer, you know, i my, my, uh, na- my name in the hat, so to speak. And you decided to go for it. Yes, sir. All right. So what are some things that you see in the, in the state? Because you'll be making decisions that are going to, of course, affect the people in your district, but they'll also affect people outside your district. Mm-hmm. So w- what are you seeing happening here in the state of Arkansas that you think need to be addressed? All right. Well, um, well, the first thing, and this was mentioned in an article that we just got interviewed on, was the the half percent sales tax uh, mm-hmm. coming up. Um, and I think it's important that we have you know conservatives fighting for you know lower taxes, not just to you know say they support lower taxes, but actually put up and fight for it. Um, so I definitely am opposed to to that. Okay. So you wanted to get in there and and try to keep that from having that. The governor is asking for us to not sunset a half-cent sales tax that's supposed to go away. He's saying he doesn't want it to go away, and not only does he not want it to go away, he wants to make it part of the state constitution. Right. All right? And all of that money is to go to highways. It's about, when you look at it, it's a little over $200 million for the state and about $44 million for cities and $44 million for counties. Uh, for roads. So it's a, a total of pretty close to $300 million. That goes to show you that a half cent makes a lot of money for Absolutely. things. I mean, I want people to understand this. You're not talking about, you know, uh, you know, nickel and dime. You're talking real money when you're talking a half a percent. That's right. So you're against it. I am. 
All right. So how long have you been a Republican and uh, how long have you, more importantly, uh, been a conservative? Yeah, so that's actually kind of funny. I uh, became a, ser- a conservative in college, which isn't the normal story. That's where you kids go to you know, be liberalized. Right. Um, and, but I graduated from Henderson State University, the degree in political science. Well, how did you come out of Henderson okay, so, being conservative? That's crazy. <laughs> right. Well, there, there was one professor there, uh, Dr. James. Okay. Uh, he was the only conservative professor there that I know. Um, and the, the stuff that he said really made sense to me. You know, I grew up in Illinois, which isn't exactly known for its conservatism. Where else? Where in Illinois? Aurora. I know where Aurora yeah. is. I, I was born in, in Gary, raised in Northwest Indiana. So yeah, okay. I'm familiar with Illinois. Yeah. yeah. We moved to Arkansas in 2003. Okay. So, um, you know, I, you know, my dad, you know, growing up was, uh, you know, I was talking, you know, the Democrat platform, but, uh, don't worry, he's Republican now. Okay. I converted him. That happens. It does. Um, is he a union guy? He was. There it is. See, yeah. that's the reason he was a Democrat for a while. That's right. Um, so yeah, we moved to Benton in 2003, and that's where I met my wife. She was my next-door neighbor. And uh, it took however many, let's see. We started dating my senior year in high school, so it took me many years of you know, fighting in the friend zone to, to break out. <laughs> but it finally worked. Good for you. That's right. Good for you. You you have some stick to itiveness to you. No. Uh, no online dating back then. That's right. That was too early for that. You weren't on Tinder, right? Nope. <laughs> Didn't even have a smartphone until my sophomore year in college. Wow. I think. Yeah, I, I, I just only had a, a smartphone the last few years, but now I don't know what I would do without it. it right. It's, it's more smart than I am, to be <laughs> honest with you. All right, so let's just run down and check off the list here. Uh, about being conservative, all right? All right. We'll start off with, let's talk about the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Where do you stand on the Second Amendment? That the government shouldn't infringe on, on the citizen's right to keep and bear arms. Okay. How how do you feel about, do you think uh, there's people that argue to point that here in Arkansas we're constitutional carry? Mm-hmm. Do you believe that? And would you vote to make sure that that's solidified here in the state? Yes, sir. All right. That that was pretty. That was easy, wasn't <laughs> it? Straightforward, right? That was easy. I like that. Yeah, he would. That's exactly what he would do. You say you believe in in uh, fewer taxes. So I'm just going to work my way down. Uh, I keep my little red book right here. Right. No, it's not Mao's book. All right, this and for you who are probably younger than fifty, you don't even know what I'm talking about. But uh, this is what the principles of the uh, Republican Party of Arkansas. Uh, you believe in the power of faith in God? Absolutely. Okay. Do you believe in the sanctity of life? Yes. All right. Do you uh, believe in individual responsibility and initiative? Yes. Okay. I love this. He's just going right down here. Individual freedom and liberty secured by a limited government. Absolutely. All right. How do you see it? Look, I, I, I've been watching the Republicans, and I made this statement I think it was yesterday I was talking to somebody. I was talking to uh, uh, Senator Stubblefield, and I said that I thought that Asa Hutchinson was a a, a good uh, Republican governor to bridge the gap between 135-plus years of Democratic rule into Republican rule so that we can get enough time to try to explain to people what republicanism and conservatism was and he agreed on that but 
it's time now that we move further and teach people what it means to truly govern as a Republican and with limited government. Mm-hmm. Are Do you want, when we talk about limited government, what do you think should happen on the state level in the legislature, since you'll be speaking for the people at that point? What are some things you want to see happen? Like, specifically, what do you what do you mean? Well, you said that you didn't like the half-cent sales tax. Mm-hmm. They have talked about, you know, some of the big things that they talked about is that they've reduced taxes uh, here in the state over the last four years. However... With those reductions, there have been increases as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would like to see them do reductions without any increases and actually let the people have a little bit more of their money. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, we see what happens when we lower taxes and, you know, decrease government regulation, what the free market can do. That's when the economy booms. Okay, so that's that's what you would like to to see uh, here in the state of Arkansas. How about private property? How important is private property to you? It's extremely important. And that's what the, some of the first laws were written about was private property. You just mentioned something that was important, and you said that lowering taxes to help produce economic growth. I mean, that's what the president is trying to do. Mm-hmm. And getting rid of uh, you know, uh, the government getting in the way of uh, a, a businesses doing things. Uh, the uh, personal right to own and bear arms, we've covered that. The equal and just enforcement of the law, uh, I'm sure that you feel strongly for that. Yes. And separate uh, and equal branches of government. Mm-hmm. So would you would you like to see some powers that the governor has here in the state of Arkansas? Would you like to see some of that drained away towards the the legislative branch of the government, the, the House and the Senate? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for reducing the size of government in general. I mean, a government that's too strong, that's when we have issues. You know, we, that's what we had the Revolutionary War over, was over a strong centralized government. Right. So you know, I'm definitely in favor of scaling the size of government back. Okay. So keep this all in mind. Our guest is uh, Tony Furman. He's running to be a state representative. He is a real estate agent down in uh, South Uh, Saline County, down in the Benton area, where District 28 is at. Let's take a break. We'll come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 17 after 4 on a Thursday, here at 101.1 FM, the answer, the home of the Rush Limbaugh Show. All right, back with our time with Tony Furman, who is running for District 28 state representative slot. That was vacated by uh, State Representative Jason Kelly. That was, and let me tell you what: when Kelly decided not to run again, it was kind of a surprise. Uh, people still wonder exactly why he decided not to run again, but he decided not to run again. He's sticking with it. So I was talking uh, with uh, Tony about what he does, other than you know selling houses and things of that and you you're doing very well at that by the way i understand yeah i just finished my first year as a, as a realtor and i sold about 13 properties wow so i'd say it's pretty successful for my first year well that's good i'd say that's really successful it's going to get better you know the trump economy right. is going to make it possible people spend money again and move right. up in the housing market so with that in in mind you are doing a lot of work uh with kids that 
don't have uh, parents and things of that nature. Yes, sir. My wife and I are, are both house parents for Second Chance Youth Ranch. Um, and that's, Who I've had on several times here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, it, it's an amazing place. Um, my wife and I, before we started, they were both teachers. And I was commuting from Bauxite to Valonia um, every day. And that got really... That's a long way. Yeah, it's an hour and 15 minutes one way. Um, and the, at that time, my firstborn... Uh, James you know, arrived and I was missing all the firsts, uh, the crawling, the talking, all that. So we started looking for, you know, work closer to home. That's when we found the ranch and uh, we called, went out there for an interview and they said, you know, well, if you're both teachers and spring break was just like a week or two away, they said, why don't you come, you know, work for a week, see if you like it, kind of like an interview slash trial. Right. And um, we did and, and fell in love with it. We've been there for four years. All right. So, What's the difference between being a teacher in a public school and being a, a teacher out at the ranch? Um, it's well, okay. So the the ranch is owned is operated by Family Church in Bryant, right? And they also have a private Christian school there also, and I do teach there part time too. Uh, as does my wife; she teaches kindergarten, um, and I teach a little bit of everything actually. Okay, uh, elementary Spanish, and then. Middle school Spanish. So where you need to go, that's where you go. Exactly. They tell me where to go, and I go there. That's good. It's so, not a bad thing. But the uh, the difference between teaching at public school and, and, and private school, um, for one, it's, in, in my experience anyway, you have a smaller student-to-teacher ratio, which is awesome. It allows more one-on-one time with the students. So you can focus in on, on their needs. And also, I have um, more freedom, you know, to, to, to teach through, you know, a, a Christian worldview. Um, and I don't have to kind of tiptoe around some things. Now, don't I mean, let me say Volonia was a great place to work, and um, I had some great Christian administrators there too. So, but it's not like. However, they work under the auspices of the federal government. That's right. That's right. Um, so I, I enjoy that that freedom, that liberty to teach through that worldview. I got you. I, I understand that. That's good. I don't have any problem with that at all. Which brings up the question about school choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I ask people about school choice, people start talking about charter schools and things of that nature. I want to know if they really believe in school choice, which I would love to see it come down to the money that the state says that they spend per child in a school district would be controlled by the parent yes. and could be used at whatever school they want their child to go to. Right. What do you think? I agree with that completely. Uh, in public school, you know, the classes I taught would have about 30 kids in a, in a classroom, and, and each kid is unique. They have their own learning styles, their own needs. And as a teacher, you know, you have to differentiate, you know, everything to cater to each student. And some students have needs that a lot, sometimes teachers can't cater to exactly. So allowing the money to follow the students at where their parents decide is the best fit for them would make it easier for parents to allow their kids to have a, the best quality education possible. Okay. What well, what's going on? You've been, I, you may have had this come up. You may not have. I want to play a, uh, we got time to play this, uh, Zach, cut number four. Um, Tucker was on talking about uh, women's sports from a trans, from transgender athletes. Has that started percolating down in, to the Arkansas a- athletics, are you starting? I to haven't hear come that? across it. I mean, I was I was a coach at Valonia for two years. Uh, we didn't have that come up, but Valonia is 
you know, probably more of a conservative district than most. So it, I don't know if it would have, but it, it's going to happen eventually. I mean, right. it, it's happening in other parts of the country. It's just a matter of time before it happens here. So listen to what Tucker Carlson had to say about this. Yeah, I think it's so a common sense award for sponsoring legislation that you'd think we wouldn't need. What is the argument against this? Uh, the argument against this is you're discriminating against people who identify as a woman that day and want the ability to compete. Uh, it's, it's just fascinating that we're at this place in our country where you have to file bills to make it clear that women are actually going to be competing with women in women's sports. What's so striking is that this is one of those phenomena where there is an identifiable group of victims, and it's the girls. It's the people Title IX was passed to protect and they are suffering. They say they're suffering, and this is not speculation. Rare feminists have been brave enough to stand up and say this. How can people who pretend they're feminists, that they're carrying the torch for women, support something that hurts girls? I don't know. And what's fascinating is even people who certainly aren't con- conservative, like Martina Navratilova, who is a great tennis great, she supports this legislation. And it was against the bill that the Democrats pushed, the ERA bill, because it redefined women's sports and allowed men to compete in women's sports. And so you even have people on the other side of the aisle that are going, hold on a second, this doesn't make sense. We are completely eroding what women's sports are if we're going to allow biological men to compete with women in women's collegiate activities. None of this is an attack on anyone, on transgender people or anything like that. It's merely saying that girls are hurt when we allow this to happen. Were there any, and it's obvious and everyone knows it, and it's only because of the bullying from lunatics online that no one's brave enough to say it out loud. Are there any Democrats, do you believe, who would support the legislation you're, you're sponsoring? Well, I filed pretty much what my bill is as an amendment on the ERA legislation that went through the Judiciary Committee, and not a single Democrat voted for it. We did it as a motion to recommit on the floor of the House on similar legislation, and I believe there was only one or two Democrats that voted for it. That's the sad state of affairs that we are in today, where you're, you're destroying women's sports and Democrats aren't willing to stand for women in women's sports. Yeah, so after like a million years, we're redefining gender out of existence. That can't have bad consequences. It's, it's, this is, we'll be judged for this because this is too nuts. Actually. All right, there you go. A little Jeez. bit on the But this is going on, and, and you're right, uh, Tony, that it hasn't, we haven't seen it yet in Arkansas, but it's only a matter of time mm-hmm. before it, it gets here. And when we come back, let's talk further about that. And there's other issues that are the same way. It's not here yet, but it's coming, so you better start talking about it and start thinking about it, and and we'll do that. Right now, though, we got to get ready for uh, news. We've got a minute of news coming up, get you caught up on what's going on. Uh, I don't have the current numbers, but we were at 29,299 on uh, the Dow, uh, which means that uh, we hadn't been over 29,000 until yesterday, and now we're starting to sniff 30,000. I kind of like that. Don't you? My 401 is excited. All right. Take a break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. 25 minutes till five. Don't forget the final hour. J.R. Davis with me from Gilmore Strategies. He'll be with us and we'll be talking uh, politics. What a big surprise, right? Uh, Here on the Dave Ellswick Show. In the studio with me, Tony Furman is with us right now. He wants to be a state representative. Uh, he wants to represent District 28, which is down in the Benton area. Uh, I hadn't asked you this yet, Tony, so let me uh, get this out of the way. you got a website where people can go and find out more about you and as well as make uh, donations if they want. Yes, sir. It's TonyFerman.com, and it's Furman just like it sounds, fur and then man. Okay. F-U-R-M-A-N. So we go Tony Furman. 
dot com dot com wow that's good easy a lot of people have hard times getting a, a real simple you know i was lucky website not like too many that. Furmans. although there was one ironically there's another tony Furman in saline county oh really yeah besides me and my dad we have the same name but this tony Furman has an h in his name oh okay so all right well that that differentiates you a as bit. far as that's concerned so as you sit and and you're looking at becoming a state uh representative of course your decisions are going to be uh important to the state of uh, arkansas but uh you're looking out at what's going on in the country and what happens in washington filters down here to the state as well what are some things that concern you here in our country just the the general state of affairs right now i mean you look at the house and it's a mess the whole impeachment thing they keep trying to throw everything they can at trump and nothing's sticking and it's just annoying to watch it's like a bunch of kids you know name calling and fighting it's just petty Mm -hmm. um the 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 spread of liberalism too kind of worries me um because we see it seems to be taking uh it's growing in popularity but i'm not convinced it's it's growing as fast as the media is making it look you know, maybe it's just because I'm, you know, see Arkansas kids and they don't seem as well. It depends it. on what part of the country right. you're in. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but I think, I think there's an argument to me that conservatism is growing in popularity too. So hopeful for that. Okay, so what are what are some things that you're hoping that people will decide? I, I personally think, for instance, let's just talk about the the second principle, the sanctity of life for the uh, Arkansas GOP. Mm-hmm. It seems like. Look, in, in back in the 70s when Roe v. Wade happened, I was a young man at that point, and I couldn't believe the logic that people were trying to use to say it was all right to, to, uh, to kill an unborn child. I find it even harder to believe people make that point now when we've got all the medical evidence about what's going on in the womb. Uh, how far do you think that that the the government should do about about uh, abortion? Do you think they should make it outright illegal or what? I would like to see that. I mean, I believe in the sanctity of life from conception until natural death. I think abortion's one of our greatest mistakes as a country. Um, you know, because I mean, I I work with, like I said earlier, kids in foster care, and if you know, you get on any post about abortion online, and you you read through the comments, you see people always bring up, you know, our foster care system's overcrowded or there's problems. And it's just like, you know, you can't, you can't go to these kids that I live with and, and tell them that their life isn't worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, despite whatever circumstances bring you into this world, your life is sacred and, and, and valuable and worth something, you know? So I just, it, yeah, it, it's, it's personal for me. Well, I bring up, a, I try to look at things from a logical point of view. And if you believe that a person who perhaps is going to be born into poverty has no worth, then why don't we just walk down to the the poorest neighborhoods that we have and tell everybody to come out of their houses and we just shoot them because they don't have right. there's there's no reason for any them argument, to be alive. Any argument I've seen, you can apply to any person. Yeah, and, and, and it's, of like course. you said, it's, it's it's there's no good arguments for it. That's what it's all about. It's about personhood. I mean. You know, the, the Declaration of, of Independence is uh, life number one. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have life, you don't have liberty, you, you right. can't pursue nothing. Right. If, you're not, if you're dead and in the ground, you ain't going to do nothing. Absolutely. 
that's just uh, the the way that is. So it sounds like to me you'll fight strong on the side of Arkansas right to life with Rose Mem. You going to the the, the march this I weekend? Uh, yes, I am. Well, I'll be there. I'm okay. not going to be marching because I got this half shoe on. You can't. You haven't seen. I, I haven't it yet. seen it. And I'm on this desk. So the bottom bottom line is is that I'm going to be sitting on in a lawn chair or something, and I'll just wait for you guys to. I'll just get wait around for when it. I pass by. Yeah, that's fine. I'll be sitting right by in front of the steps, waiting for y'all. It's a it's an important time. I hope that you'll show up. It's going to happen at two o'clock. Get here thirty uh, and and be part for the March for Life forty second annual march for life think about that we've been doing it for 42 years and we continue doing it because there's children still dying mm-hmm. i mean it's just tragic it, yeah it's it's beyond tragic it's it's blood on this country's hands that not going to be easy to wash away to be honest with you second amendment uh, we've talked about that are you familiar with what's going on in virginia yes and that's exactly why we need true conservatives in Arkansas to prevent that from happening here. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm looking over uh, into our studio here. If I can get one guys to come back. Hey, Russ, are you? Can you hear me? Can we? I need to play cut number uh, ten. Well, when he comes back, I'll play it. I got Gordon uh, Governor Northam of Virginia, and he announced yesterday a temporary ban on arms in virginia and uh jan morgan who's uh you know a a, a part of this show uh, most tuesdays won't be here this tuesday because she's going to be in virginia and uh, there's going to be like seventy-five thousand people here's the governor of virginia again cut number 10 for me there zach please know that we have been preparing extensively to protect public safety at Monday's rally. But no one wants another incident like the one we saw in Charlottesville in 2017. We will not allow that mayhem and violence to happen here. So we are taking the following actions to keep people safe in Capitol Square and in the city of Richmond. First, we have established a unified command between the state police the Capitol Police, the Richmond Police Department, and our first responders. Listen closely. And I want to personally take this opportunity to thank all of them for keeping us safe. These agencies are working closely together to ensure seamless preparation and planning for this event. They have been briefing me and my team regularly, and I have full confidence in our public safety team. Second, we are asking non-essential personnel not to come to work on Monday. Monday is a holiday for state employees and many others, and that is good news. If you don't need to be in downtown Richmond on Monday, please consider staying home. And third, no weapons will be allowed on the Capitol grounds. This includes everything from sticks and bats to chains and projectiles. These rules are similar to long-standing rules in airplanes and courthouses. This list also includes firearms. It makes no sense to ban every other weapon but allow firearms when intelligence shows a threat of armed militia groups storming our capital. To enforce this, 
I am declaring a state of emergency in Richmond from Friday evening until Tuesday night. Everyone should understand this is based on real identified threats that have been made. This order includes a prohibition of weapons on Capitol grounds. The prohibition is temporary and it will expire on Tuesday after the rally. And those who would bring violence into Virginia have left and returned to where they came from. I have made this decision in the interest of keeping the public safe as well as our law enforcement officers. All right. State of emergency mm. starting tomorrow, going through Tuesday for any... Look, he just said that anybody who was coming to that rally was dangerous. That's right. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but it's typical liberal, all, all right. right? And uh, the only, no sticks or stones or, or chains. anything, chains, nothing. And you can't have any of that, so you can't have any firearms as well. Uh, I, our own Jan Morgan will be there. She's one of the eight speakers uh, for that rally, it's just real. This is, folks, you're you're seeing a difference between freedom and tyranny being played out for you in real time. And right now it's happening in Virginia, one of the original 13 colonies. Think about and that it's for odd. a moment. Did you see his tweet um, praising, like, the NRA for a peaceful protest? No. He, uh, yeah, he... He issued a tweet saying something, you know, congratulating or praising the NRA for hosting a peaceful protest in hopes that this march will kind of show similar restraints and the NRA blasted him on Twitter. I bet they did. Yeah. Yeah. These people aren't dangerous people and they're talking about armed militias coming and things of that nature. Stay home if you're non-essential. Yeah. Just Yeah. If you're not non-essential while you're working for the government, I, I always ask that question, but it's just. Something, that's a statement that always always bothered me. All right, let's take a break. Then we'll finish up our conversation with Tony Furman here. He is running for state representative in District 28. So we'll be back to talk further with him at 101.1 FM, The Answer, the home of Rush Limbaugh. All right, back with you. We're here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're finishing up a conversation with Tony Furman who is a real estate uh, agent down in uh, Benton, uh, Benton uh, in Saline County. He is in District 28, and uh, he is running for state representative. How long have you lived in Benton? Since 2003, okay. minus the time I was in college at Arkadelphia. So like 16 years then, 17, going on 17 uh, years. I'm 20, yeah, sounds about right. Wow, that's impressive. Where'd you go to high school? Benton. You went to Benton High School? All through uh, from 7th grade to 11th grade at Benton, and then my senior year I transferred to Glen Rose. Did you play football at Benton? I did. You did? You played in the Salt Bowl? A couple of them. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Never right. won one, though. No, that's all right. <laughs> you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but at least you got out there and you competed. That's the key. Uh, do you feel like that you're more conservative than your uh, – the person who's running against you? I do. I do. Um, like I said in an interview, I got asked this same question in a previous interview, and I never met my opponent before. Was it this one? Uh, yep, that's the <laughs> one. <laughs> so, you know, I never met my opponent before this race, but I do know that she worked for Democrat Senator Mark Pryor. Yeah. And 
that already tells me everything I need to know. I mean, Mark Pryor voted with Obama 93% of the time. So I don't care what you're doing for him. You know, what are you doing for him? Yeah. You know, so to speak, if you're a conservative, you know, I'm not going to have a job screening emails for a Democrat, for a liberal in that matter. So just off that alone, yeah, I'd say I'm more conservative. Okay. That's great. So if people want to get a hold of you, they they use your, your website. Is that right? Yes, sir. TonyFerman.com? TonyFerman.com or Tony Furman for State Rep on Facebook. Okay. So if folks are wanting you to come by and, and talk to them, I don't know, Lions Club, whomever, mm-hmm. can they just hit you on your uh, Facebook or, or yeah, on Yeah, they can. Thing? Or if they want my email, Tony.Furman09 at gmail.com. Okay. So they can take care of that. Mm-hmm. All right. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to be really nice to you because I know how bad the traffic is at this time <laughs> of the day. I'm going to let you get out so that you can get home. Thank you. Uh, and uh, and beat the traffic. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come and spend time here on this show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll have you back on. You know, let sure. you come on talk. And uh, uh, as I as I told you when you came on. Uh, if uh, your challenger wants to come on and, and spend some time with me on the show, we'll let her as well. But good luck, and I appreciate that you're running for office down in the in uh, in Benton for District 28, and uh, good luck to you. Thank you. Don't forget, March is when you're going to make the decision for him uh, because there is no Democrat running. So whoever wins the primary uh, in uh, Benton in District 28 will be the winner of that seat. So we'll keep that in mind. Tony, thanks so much. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you. All right, Tony Furman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Tomorrow, uh, Matt uh, Smith will be on with us in the first hour. And at 3.30, Congressman uh, Hill is going to join us. Typically, it's a Wednesday we talk to him on, but he had some things that he had to take care of uh, that would business in the the House. So he'll join us uh, during the... Uh, the time that uh, we had for Friday. We also have uh, um, a gentleman coming on who is a person who uh, can get you in shape lifting weights. We're going to talk with him. And then we're going to have uh, on with us Chris Corbett and uh, Robert Steinbach. They'll join us, see if there's any been any movement going on as far as the uh, – well, the wonderful world of, uh, I'm trying to think here, of the gun, the gun uh, thing that they brought up that I got right here. I got it in my hand. So uh, do that. Uh, let me mention to you about the 42nd annual uh, March of Life, sponsored by the Arkansas Right to Life. It's going to be this Sunday uh, in Little Rock at 2 p.m., uh, the observance, a peaceful and prayerful event that attracts thousands of Arkansans from across the state, including churches and, and families, to remember the millions of unborn children who have been killed by legal abortion. Uh, the march marks the 47th anniversary of the January 22nd, 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion in the United States. Uh, remember, they're staging at 1.30 between Battery and Wolf Streets on West Capitol Avenue behind the Arkansas State Capitol. Uh, they will step off on the march at 2 o'clock sharp. President Andy Mayberry is going to lead the marchers along uh, with elected officials. I know they said that 
They were expecting Senators Cotton and Bozeman, Congressman Hill and uh, Westerman both to be there. Uh, other invited dignitaries, the, the governor will be there, the lieutenant governor, uh, the attorney general, other special guests to the steps of the state capitol for a brief uh, program. They're going to have a speaker there who you heard yesterday here on my show. His name is Ryan Bomberger. He's the co-founder of the Radiance Foundation, and he's got just a tremendous story behind him, and I'm looking forward to hearing it. I'm going to be there. I won't be marching. I'll be sitting uh, there in front of the steps uh, to take part in the program. His biological mother was raped, yet she gave him a chance to live and uh, gave him up in the beautiful gift of adoption. He was adopted at six weeks of age. He grew up in a loving, multiracial Christian family of 15. His life defies the myth of the unwanted child as he was adopted, loved, and has flourished. Keep in mind that he is an Emmy Award-winning creative professional who founded the Radius Foundation with his wife, Bethany, is a broadcast media designer, producer, columnist, passionist, factivist. He's a factivist. He believes in facts like I do as well. International public speaker and author of the powerful book, Not Equal, Civil Rights Gone Wrong. And uh, Rose Mims will be there. as She was on the show the other day, the executive director of the Arkansas Rights, uh, Right to Life, and we owe her. Uh, a huge, huge uh, amount of thanks for all she's done in the pro-life movement here in central Arkansas and across the state. Other participants in the program, Reverend Marvin Barnum, pastor of Jubilee Church International in Maumel, Father Josh Dingo, pastor of Our Lady of Good Counsel Catholic Church in Little Rock, and music to be performed by Doug and Stephanie Goodman. So that. Again, they'll step off exactly at 2 p.m. Uh, they'll be looking for you to stage at 1.30 uh, between Battery and Wolf Streets. It's supposed to be dry, but it will be cold. Dress warm and uh, come out and show that you believe in the sanctity of life. The 42nd Annual March for Life, sponsored by Arkansas Right to Life. Again, that's this Sunday in Little Rock, at the state capitol, at 2 p.m. I'm going to be there. Hope you'll be there as as well. Kind of hard for me to march. I got I wear this shoe that makes me walk. If for you who remember Gunsmoke, I got to walk like Festus. So it just makes sense that I'm going to get where I need to be and, and just kind of sit down and take it easy. All right, coming up, we've got news for you. Uh, We'll bring you up on what's happening in the world. I'm sure they're going to be looking forward to talking about the impeachment some more today and that the Senate now has got the the articles and that they're ready to get started on that. So uh, the trial should start Tuesday. I think we're going to be able to pull some of that live uh, when uh, my show is on next week. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, as well. I won't bore you with it because it can be a snoozer. I'm just telling you, it can get to be a snoozer, but uh, we'll we'll keep you up to date on all of it. Everybody was sworn in today as a uh, 
of course, a juror, uh, and so was the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. He'll preside over it. All right, I need to get out of here. Coming up, don't forget J.R. Davis and myself here on the Dave Ellswick Show. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.